morning. Morning, sir. What made you get up so early in L.A.? I think it was still went to sleep on East Coast time because okay. I was in East Coast time for a week and then woke up early. The proverbial jet lag. I don't know. I went to bed early, got up early, getting stuff done, so ready to go. Farmer Mark. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> no farming here. It's still raining. Still. Is it? I thought it was supposed to stop raining today. Yeah, I have to talk to my meteorologist and get him off the payroll. <laughs> and I don't mean to be facetious, but how do people from L.A. deal with, like, a lot of rain continually? Uh, they just stay indoors. I do you have a cannabis question, though, and maybe you might know and you may not know. One of the things that is challenged to California recreational growers, especially the ones who do outdoor, has been no moisture, it's drier than hell. Is this going to mess with this year's outdoor crop? The term I'm hearing right now is California currently is a sponge, and it's uh, very spongy. I don't know if it's overhydration now for the plants or what the case may be. I do know that I'm sure this will help with uh, anyone who flood irrigates in the state. Personally, I can't speak for someone farming in the Central Valley on how they're dealing with it. Hopefully, they're growing on a slope. Well, that, that, you mean a slight slope, not a light uh, slope. Yeah, not a hill, but nah. you know, about a 6% grade would do it right now, I think. So how many homes are is Southern California losing right now because mudslides? I can't speak to a number, but there is a lot of landslide going on, uh, especially in the Malibu area and uh, just north of there as you get up into Ventura, things like that. So is California uh, still overproducing cannabis? I'm sure they are. Who isn't? Who isn't? Yeah, you got a problem. Just try to grow your way out of it. Uh, well, I guess I should introduce you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, heck, well, what the heck? Sure, they know me by now, don't they? I know, I know, but we're just going to, I'm going to put the little tag on the front end. Folks, you're listening to Full Contact Cannabis. It's sponsored by the Oldham Farmer's Wife and Tennessee Homegrown. My co-host is Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media, L.A., Nashville, New England. We're chewing the fat this morning about what's going on. And, oh, and I'm Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. the Old Hemp Farmer. Like I said, you stumbled into Full Contact Cannabis, a podcast by cannabis professionals for cannabis professionals. And I guess we'll get talking about professional cannabis here a little soon. That was great. That was like we had a big opening piece. Yeah. Like a movie. That's like how the, the real big ones do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so do we want to talk about all the places you've been? Because I am curious. What cities have you worked with in the last month? I know Vegas. Vegas, Indianapolis, L.A. I'm curious about Vegas. When you were working in Vegas, when you were doing the Super Bowl? Yes, sir. The halftime entertainment portion. Oh, oh. Earth. Are the... I was going to say the the musical event with a football game wrapped around it and then Taylor Swift thrown in. Yep. Somebody sent me a great meme that said, let me, hopefully I can quote this right. I heard Taylor Swift's boyfriend is playing at an Ursher concert in Vegas. No. Did you get to see either uh, Taylor Swift or uh, dear old uh, homeboy? Yep. Kelsey. I don't even know his first name. Travis. Yeah. 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 I saw them both. 
So how close to were you? Seventy-five to hundred, I guess. I don't know. Well, it seems like the thing I was working, so I wasn't too concerned about. Oh, it. I see how that goes. Oh, I'm out of the corner of my eye. So, had you worked with uh, Taylor Swift before? I have. Uh, what, what was that project? Actually, the last time I worked with her, it's been a while ago. It was uh, when the Super Bowl was in Houston, and Lady Gaga was the halftime entertainment that year. Taylor was doing a concert down the street uh, in a shed, and uh, I went down there and. Uh, Turned around, a quick turnaround concert, edit overnight on Saturday night. When was this that she was playing in a shed? I think it was Houston 2010, 2012, something like that. Oh. Mind you, this was not a small shed. Oh, all right. It was a, a huge. Now, the old hair farmer has actually worked with Taylor Swift. Um, she was uh, like the 50th anniversary of either Cosmopolitan or one of those women's magazines. She was on the cover. And I they were doing a behind-the-scenes interview with her, and I got to light it. So I actually got within like a foot and a half of Taylor Swift. Yeah. 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 And I got to talk to her mom for about an hour and a half. Very nice people. My experience yeah. with them is bad. Yeah. Well, I know she treated the people around her well, which is how I judge show business people. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a flight attendant on my way back from Indianapolis the other day that uh, definitely was going for the Taylor Swift look. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Out of professional curiosity, while you were, uh, I don't know how much you got to walk around Vegas. Mm, a little bit. Did you smell weed while you were walking around? Of course. You did? Yeah, and I was there doing another show in November of this past year, and I was more on the strip walking around than I was to the Super Bowl, and it was very pungent. So you think he's mostly tourists, though, huh? Oh, definitely. Because that's the one thing I've noticed where recreational marijuana has been legal for a while is like, you know, Boulder and, you know, on the, the other, in Los Angeles, in, in the more, what do you want to call it, suburban areas or yep. still built up. You don't smell wheat. Right. You don't see anything about it, which I think is one of those, the misnomers is that, you know, a recreational state, there's people around token up all the time and you can, and you see it, especially in Colorado, unless you go to like the little green mile in Denver, you really don't see too many shops or too many, too much has anything to do with cannabis. Yeah. I mean, it's different. I mean, for me and my small experience, Vegas, definitely strong in the street smell uh new york uh strong in the street smell is the other one as well and then in, in parts of los angeles you know los angeles isn't really a walking city but i've like gotten off the freeway in an exit ramp and as i get down to the surface street it's like wow this is really strong over here what project did you just, are you getting ready to do a project in New York or you did just got done doing one? No, I think I, I did one last year, okay. uh, the Global Citizen event. So in the last month, what projects have you worked on where? Uh, in the last month, it would have been a uh, Super Bowl halftime show in Vegas, uh, the NBA All-Star Game, and then a couple of shows around here in LA, Critics' Choice Awards, and yeah, it's award season, so some of those shows. Major League Sports is starting to sign deals with at least CBD, and there's nobody still actively in either the NBA or Major League Baseball that I know that has a deal with any rec companies. 
while you were in Vegas, the Super Bowl is basically a corporate event. Yes. Did you see any uh, people in the cannabis business advertising, having tents, the little, the whole smear that they do? No, uh, I did see a few billboards. And mind you, I, I'm you know I'm only part of the Haplum show, so I don't really get around the players much, and I don't uh, have a lot of time to explore. The most I can say is I saw some billboards that were Super Bowl centric toward cannabis use while you were in. Finally, the uh, NFL has started to uh, explore CBD's ability to maybe deal with neurological disorders because of impact. Yep. And so it, that's interesting. Uh, and I think a couple actual base was it one of the baseball teams signed a deal, a CBD deal. You're coming back to Tennessee in April? I think I might be rolling through mid-March. I'll do the CMT Awards first week of April there in Austin, Texas. So I have to spend a few days in Nashville getting ready for that before I head down there. You did uh, that in Austin, CMT Awards in Austin last year. Yeah, this is the second year of uh, the show being there. So how much did you get out in Austin? Uh, I got out a fair bit in Austin. I was curious about how, how prevalent was cannabis smoke. I didn't really notice it much. To be honest, well, yeah. well, yeah, Texas, it's still technically illegal. I was curious. Um, yeah. Are you going to be in dear old Tennessee uh, through July 1st? Absolutely. Are you anticipating the apocalypse, the cannabis apocalypse that's supposedly going to happen in Tennessee? Why? I'm, of course, that's why I'm showing up. Yeah, <laughs> a, a drink in my hand and a uh, lounge chair. I'll watch it all fall apart. Folks, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the cannabis situation in Tennessee, not because I live here, but because the same thing is starting to happen all over the country. Right now, there seems to be a war on hemp-derived cannabis, and we're talking almost every recreational state. Any state that has recreational D9 seems to be on a jihad against hemp-derived cannabinoids. Tennessee's getting ready to clamp down on hemp-derived I think Minnesota, Florida, there's at least a dozen states right now that are basically eyeing about outlawing what they call Franken-cannabinoids. And it's going to happen here in Tennessee, and it really has got a huge amount of people all disrupted. I mean, you live in rec states. Most of your, the only place that you really do, you have a headquarters here in Nashville, and up until this year, it was sort of like, Recreational weed was always there. There in Nashville, anyway, definitely a uh, kind of free-for-all Wild Wild West as far as the D8, D9 uh, scenario went. But, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about it, but it seems like it was just a reflection of their lack of getting solid uh, legislation on either side of the table uh, done in order that everybody understood what was going on. And from my recent conversations with you, it sounds like the leash is getting tightened up a little bit, but it's still kind of like what's going on. In rec state like California, you know, you don't really talk, nobody talk, mentions D8 or D9 or anything like that. They just, it's DHC and some CBD. And when you go to a dispensary, that's really your choices. No one's talking D8 or D9. It's just, you know, I don't think it's necessary in, in a rec state. So 
that's my humble opinion right now. Well, uh, well, let's stay on your humble opinion. You are you're not a recreational user of cannabis, but you are a medical user of cannabis. Correct. All right. <laughs> when Tennessee Homegrown doesn't send you your your meds on time, you find yourself going into rec stores in Los Angeles, right? That is correct. I recently went into a rec store here in LA and I had not been in a rec store in a long time because Tennessee Homegrown usually does take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk to those folks. Yeah, there's got to be some. I got to talk to HR. Uh, yeah. But uh, they, uh, yeah, and it was uh, it was a bit of a different experience um, than the last time I had been in there. Only in the fact that um, it was cash only. It used to be cash or credit. They also had an in store uh, ATM machine sitting right there in case you had forgotten to bring cash. Uh, I did not use it, but I did see that there was a fee notice on it. If you did use it. Uh, the other thing was gone was the safety packaging that had been prevalent, you know, since, uh, rec stores came online. Now, I don't know why that is, or if they had relaxed that law due to a cost or the fact that I had pre-ordered what I wanted and just went in and picked up, uh, my packages and it was literally some edibles and they were just in a paper bag, no staple, no anything, uh, paid cash, printed receipt and out of there. There was a armed security officer at the gate to let me in and secure doors that I had to show my ID for to get in. And there was only one other person in the shop at the time I was in there. So that was my recent experience. As a medicinal user of cannabis, do you see much different between you know, because you're doing it for sleep and to, you know, to unwind at the end of the evening. Do you see much difference between the DA products and the D9 products? Not in my experience, no. Basically, it would not be any skin off your nose if uh, hemp-dried cannabinoids were banished from the kingdom. No. Which is interesting because right now it seems that on multiple fronts that hemp-dried cannabinoids, especially D8, is under attack. Uh, one, all the people that are in recreational states are, who are paying huge amounts of money for compliancy and get restricted where they can sell are pissed. And I think that's fueled a lot of the anti-D8 and the rec states. And that makes sense. Um, plus, it seems now, <laughs> which, you know, we had Richard Rose on. Yep. Well, the godfather of hemp now is just really decided to go out of his way to show up and pretty well badmouth all DA. Also, Hemp Today put out a scathing editorial about the Franken-cannabinoids and about how they were evil. And then the other thing, which I thought was very, very interesting, part of the attack from Hemp on DA has been the fact that supposedly all this horrible CBD is coming from China, which, you know, it's just like, well, is that xenophobia or is that a real fact? And it's the funny is a lot of the people that are in hemp, and when I mean hemp, I mean true industrial hemp, and talking about textiles and spoon, you get out seed oil. Yep. Have have really have they've turned on their on cannabinoids, and it seems to be that the new thing is if we're going to save hemp, we have to go towards textiles and seed oil. And we're getting back to the old narrative 
which was I found offensive, to, you know, like 15, 20 years ago, is that hemp was good, weed is evil. And so now they can't get really go that weed's evil. So now they've substituted uh, hemp-derived cannabinoids as what's evil and what's a threat, which is very, very interesting. Here in Tennessee, I think the pushback was twofold. I don't think the people, when they they went and basically implemented uh, the farm bill as the statewide rules for cannabinoids, they never intended for a THCA flower to exist. Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, back to loophole gray area kind of thing. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't hurt it for clarity if you wanted to go through what the new law will be in January. Yes. So we all understand, you know, kind of where we're going. And, right. and for me, too, because I'm not exactly 100% sure what's happening either. I guess I should kind of update. Last year on 420, the state of Tennessee passed a bill, basic HB 403 and SB 378, which is the same bill, and it legalized hemp-derived THC edibles, but it also closed the loophole on THCA flour by implementing that the fact that no products could be more than 0.3% total THC, which in essence would eliminate all flour, THCA flour, and, and unknowingly, I think at the time, a huge amount of CBD flour. Now, this law was passed on, which was real weird, 420 of 2023, but the vast majority of it did not kick in until July 1st, 2024. So the period between all this, when it got amp implemented in people have been selling thc flour like fiends and where i mean fiends i mean front and center it's still even though i've been in cannabis decades right it still was really weird to go into places like smoke shops and gas stations and up on the shelves would be big jars of weed with basically no tags on it at a little bitty scale and as all human beings do if there's a gray area, and I don't know why, but a lot of my brethren don't like it when I call it a loophole, but let's face it, THCA flower was a loophole in the 2018 Farm Bill. You know, when homeboy, the senator from Kentucky, pushed this law, he never saw weed being sold over the counter. This came in, and so people just jumped on it. And I mean, just to the point of absurdity, does anybody need a four-ounce brownie that has 300 milligrams of THC in it? No. Yeah. And this is the weird thing about the situation in states where they have THCA flour that still can be sold, but if their hemp program is under the USDA, they can't grow it. Here we are, Tennessee, because of, and this is fueled the same thing as it is in Las Vegas and a couple other places. A lot of the consumption, especially in the large cities, was tourist. Sure. And this was a huge, huge market, and, and Tennessee farmers couldn't fill it. So, California. And so, with the overabundance of wreck in California, and still, what, 40% or so of the cannabis sold in California is probably black market? At least. All right, so you still had these guys that were chunking out huge amounts of cannabis, on their outdoor, and it's all outdoor. None of the stuff making from California to Tennessee is 
indoor, but it was pretty good outdoor. And these guys started shipping basically black market weed. And then we talked about this before, black market weed that once it got in Tennessee with a fake COA, it was all of a sudden THCA flower. All this has happened and people got used to making money. We got people here now that were making, which I don't know if it sounds like a lot of money or not. I really have no idea what kind of numbers that rec stores do. But as a side product, they were selling $5,000 worth of, of THC flour a week. And it took over their, their revenue. I mean, stores went from not selling that much flour to 60, 70% of their revenue coming off of THCA flour. When they, the TDA who got this law dropped on them started implementing this and tell what the new rules were going to be, people started freaking out here. February 6th, which was the town hall that the Tennessee Department of Agriculture did, where anybody in the cannabis industry could come up and state their piece about what they thought THCA flour should not be abandoned or made illegal. What were the highlights from those comments? That's the thing about it was, it was only one way. I think a lot of people showed up there thinking that they were going to get interaction, they were going to state their piece and be able to ask questions, and it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was to sign up, get your name tag, you got two minutes. The thing that I think was kind of surprising was there was a huge amount of people showed up. For one of these things where they actually... They have town hall meetings here in, in Tennessee about a, a whole scope of laws. It's the public's chance to come up and say, yay, nay, we love, we hate, whatever. There was over a couple hundred people who showed up. That's great. And and not even open bar or free hors d'oeuvres. Yes, which is unusual for cannabis people because we like our hot hors d'oeuvres and open bar. People showed up with basically five, 600 petitions. I mean, it was... They showed up, they showed out, local TV stations showed up, took photos and whatever, but that was it. The ship had already sailed. The ship had already sailed. So now, uh, what are the various states of, uh, you know, when you grieve, first denial, then, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. And various people are. Some of them still think somehow that they're going to be able to go into court and get an injection, basically sue the bastards and, and be able to save their livelihood. Other people are are going, okay, I'm going to double down. If I got till July 1st to sell weed, I'm selling every damn bit of weed I can. So now there's more cannabis on the market than I've ever seen. I mean, it's everywhere. And it's basically, you know, the, <laughs> trying to mine out a vein of gold before, you know, Peter's out, so people are in there doing as much as possible. So you feel from a retail standpoint, it's a cash grab up until July 1? Yes, and it is. And the thing about it, for those people who were already in the cannabis-derived, hemp-derived cannabis business, uh -huh. it has skewed everything. Yeah. Because you had these products such as, you know, hemp flour sprayed with D8. You can't give that away. Also, the little things like uh, the carts that were HHC and uh, THCO and THCP and stuff like that, it's sitting on the shelves not moving because everything is around THC8. Because now they have... Uh, are you familiar with diamonds? No. 
All right, that's pure THCA crystals. It's basically 97% pure THCA. And it looks like little crystals because that's what it is. There's been an industry of basically doing sauces, dabs, and carts now. So all of this has come in and pretty well cannibalized uh, all the other hemp-derived cannabis. The good news is that I know stores that have increased their sales by 30 to 40%. The bad news is, is it been uh, not only they got new business, but their other items on their shelves aren't moving. So now it, it's a weird little thing that's going on as far as how what people are doing. Because in that, if you're a store owner, now you're stuck with a lot of inventory that you can't move, and some of which after July 1st can't be sold. Yeah, so uh, bargain days are on their way. Big time. June will be a very interesting retail month. It will. On that same note, you had mentioned the other day that there are some people that got busted. They got in Paris, Tennessee. I think because everybody's in this mode of, you know, sell all they can while they can. Do you think there'll be a more aggressive policing up until July 1st? Do you think everybody's just going to lay back till after then and go for enforcement? Well, I actually went out and did journalism for this podcast, and I hope I get it out of boy. Well, that's why I set you up. Okay. Thank you for the softball. I talked to store owners, and there what was a couple now, one of the store owners I talked to yesterday said it's up to 15 now. The thing about this is these raids have not been publicized, so it's really hard to know how many people have been raided and why they have been raided. A bunch of the cannabis or THCA flower, even if the HBO 403 uh, hadn't come along, was still illegal. Because if you tested it, most of the stuff is not under 0.3 delta 9 THC. I mean, you can leave cannabis in a hot truck and it goes over that real quick. Plus, a lot of these people had fake COAs. I saw uh, a couple of COAs because I was, you know, like I said, checking this out and on the documents, they were so badly photoshopped is that fonts did not match. <laughs> That's a creative choice. Yeah, it was a creative choice. And then you start seeing stuff like the COAs that there's no I, client ID number on, no client name, and nothing. And the labs aren't supposed to, to be a part of the black market. Right. So on, on almost all of the COAs for the THC flower, it's for research purposes only. And they'll say that on the document, not for compliance. So that's their uh, way to have legal use of their That's because I called up one of the labs and one of them in Oregon. And he was, they were, it was a great little discussion because for one thing, the cannabis testing labs is a very competitive and the margins, a lot of people don't realize, but you don't make that much money off of a lab. You have the huge thing of having staff that knows what they're doing, a huge amount of equipment, all that. So it's competitive. So we talked about when we had dear old John Kern on for New Bloom about how people are lab shopping and it's not gotten any better since it's been publicized. So you have a bunch of these people are more than willing to, to look the other way. And he was talking about that. He said, yeah, we see stuff that comes in that's been dipped in friggin' THCA crystals. Yeah. It's almost white. And, and that's how these things are coming out so high. Now that they're 
a huge amount of this stuff has the plausible deniability that up until this got passed, there was no real scrutiny. If you had stuff that did not have a chain of custody and wasn't real illegal and you couldn't prove where you got it, even under the farm bill, that was illegal. So it's hard to know whether the people that are the smoke shops that are getting busted, are they getting busted and jumping the shark because of trying to get out early? Or is it the fact that now a bunch of the stuff selling this stuff, they're getting scrutiny they didn't get before? Right. Irregardless, the cannabis community, and what's an honest way to put this, is uh, for people that are supposedly doing similar out wall behaviors are skittish as hell. Yeah. Literally, I've known stores that once these busts have it, pulled off their product, off off the shelves, and then a week later, when they didn't really hear anything more, the sh- all the product is back on the shelves. Right. So these people are living day to day on this, uh, try to figure out, am I legal or not? Because they all know, they try to put a happy face on it, but almost all the people that are moving any quantity of THC flour know it's illegal. Now, where do they get their information? Like how, if they're interested in how compliant or non-compliant the current environment is, where do they find that info? Do we want to go into Reddit? I, I, that's, I'm assuming it's through social media, but yes, because there's no real definitive, you know, <laughs> you can't go on Craigslist. There's no sports center for camp. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the cannabis that's being bought here in Tennessee, and I'm talking about the THC flower that's black market, yeah, being bought through uh, Reddit. And I am not a Reddit expert, right? But evidently, you can go in and do these sub chats because you have the chat rooms, right? Right. Well, evidently, you can break off from that and have a sub chat. I don't even know if that's the proper term where you can come up. And because let's say you can go into a chat room and you're talking about people looking for a like THCA flower or looking for THCA flower, then you can go and go off and do your own private little conversation. And I think that's where a lot of this cannabis is done because basically it's up for a bit and then it goes away. It's not like a permanent website. So a lot of this has been bought through Reddit from California's my friend is still one of the largest producers of black market cannabis in Tennessee. One of the things that has changed, and I guess, you know, California can puff up their chest, the, the, the black market cannabis that has come from California has gradually gotten better because as more and more people in Tennessee started selling the THC flour and all of a sudden got competitive. When people first started selling THCA flour in Tennessee, anything that showed up that was like mids, Man, you could sell the heck out of it. Well, now you have stores that have different levels. You can come in and get yourself an $8 a gram uh, THC flower up to $15, $20 a gram, which is very similar to how the rec places are in, in California, Colorado, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all coming through these things, and they're developed these relationships with these people. Because once you get and you hook up with someone in California, then you got your connection and a huge amount of it's coming through the U.S. Postal Service. Wow. The other source of a THCA flower that's coming into Tennessee is basically 
what do you want to call them? Jobbers are little freelance people who go to places and and it's fair amount coming has come out of Oklahoma from Oklahoma to Tennessee because of the med they're kind of wild wild west medical marijuana scene in Oklahoma. Yeah. So you got guys, you know, going over to Oklahoma buying 40, 50 pounds at a time, and they basically work a few stores. Because if you can make on a 50 pound run and you can make five, six, seven hundred dollars a pound off of doing it, that's thirty five thousand a trip. And I don't know this for a fact, but I think there's a fair amount of senior citizens doing it. Oh, really? You can load up your little RV, you know, with all your Sunshine State and all your little plates on there, and you're a tourist. You drive, you know, the speed limit. You can pretty well, you know, unless you get ran into an accident, nobody's going to pull you over. Little uh, passive uh, retirement income. Well, yeah. Our social security doesn't do like it used to. That's you know, true. that's true. So, which is going to be interesting because with all the storm and drain that's going on, and people, you know, trying to uh, basically navigate through this weird ass legal market, I'm betting there's a whole bunch of people that are a little bit foresighted. They're saying, you know. There's a lot of people in Tennessee got used to buying THC flour. Yep. That's the other one of the things that's going to be very interesting. There's still, with the scene going on here, a lot of unanswered questions. Okay, let's say on June 30th, the last day where you can buy THC flour, you go in and buy as much as you can. Now, does that all automatically become on July 1st marijuana? Oh, interesting. What about all the guys that are stuck with inventory that they couldn't get rid of? Do they have to burn it? Does it get confiscated? Do little angels come down and take it away? All thoughts to ponder. And that's what's going on. So basically, we have a professional cannabis community that is on the verge of freaking out. I mean, there's some people, and I'm lucky enough to have a partner, half owner of Tennessee Homegrown, is Lee Crabtree. I don't know, man, he, Buddha or whatever, it doesn't seem to phase him one bit. Not one doggone bit. I said, well, what are you thinking of stuff? He says, I don't think about things I can't control. Yeah. You know, we'll get up to live first and look around the horizon and see what to do. Are there any other states that are experiencing this same scenario? Yes. Minnesota, Florida, a lot of the wreck states are meant, they're not med and rec states that they're just saying, you know, I, I don't know if it's consciousness of the fact that these products are being sold and they're being sold without very much supervision, or is it the fact that in these states that have medical marijuana or recreational marijuana, it's just like I stated earlier, it's like, why does this guy get to spend $1,500 to be able to sell products that I have to spend $35,000? to be able to sell. Because I am a cannabis professional and this is my community. So you hate to to disparage anyone. But there was a huge amount of people who went out and pushed the limits and just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. And now I think, quite frankly, there's some pushback on it. Yeah, I really do. You were talking about the billboards. Oh man, in Tennessee, it just went crazy because people were making real big butts. So billboards everywhere, radio spots, 
I mean, you know, just blatant. Th. Well, like one of them was behind the green doors that went THC. It's awesome, and we have it, you know. And so, and and Paige, and and the scene, which is our local, what do you call it, infor- information entertainment little magazine, full page ads touting THC. I noticed that in the last issue of the scene, there was only one advertisement in the whole magazine for a THC, whereas before there'd be three, four, five. Yeah. Like I said, they pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, and to the point where it could no longer be ignored. Tennessee is, at least for their politicians, are very conservative. And I think that part of that was, is it's like, like, no, you can't do this in the state because there's a bunch of the people that are in positions of upper echelon in the state legislature it just said, not on my watch. No medical marijuana, no recreational marijuana. Yet there was hundreds of thousands of pounds of stuff being sold here. So that's where we are on that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It re- I mean, it really, really is because no one knows. No one knows what else is going to happen in these other states. And then on top of it, which we'll get to t- talk about in the future, is looming, which is going to have effect on almost all of this because in most of the states where they're cracking down on THCA flower and hemp-derived cannabinoids, they're all still under the auspices of the 2018 Farm Bill, which got bumped. Yep. Down the road again. Yeah. Well, it, they're going to revisit, and there's a lot of pressure to come August, September, that a Farm Bill gets done. And it's not because of cannabis. Cannabis is such a small part of the farm bill, it's not even fun. But people who export soybean, corn, wheat, cotton, tobacco, all these other things are languishing around and want to know what the hell the rules are going to be. So I prove a film. So this can come in and totally disrupt things again. It's going to be quite interesting. So what you got coming up? Uh, SAG Awards this weekend and then... um... Uh, San Francisco the next weekend for a little Google work, and then uh, Oscars, and then I got a break. Do you think this year there'll be cannabis goods in the goodie bag? At Oscars? Yeah. Nope. Maybe CBD product, but why? Definitely not THC related. You know, they have a reputation to protect. And this isn't the Golden Globes. This is the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, folks, you have been listening to Full Contact Cannabis, which is sponsored by the old and farmer's wife and Tennessee Homegrown. We appreciate you tuning in or tuning on or whatever you do when you listen to our podcast. My name's Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. the old hemp farmer. And as always, keep one eye on the market and the other eye on the weather. All right. Good times, everyone. See you soon. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee Homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com.